this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. Outdoors in partnership with Warriors Quest is brought to you by Martin Archery, the number one archery company. Martin Archery combines leading edge modern technology with innovative design to give serious bow hunters and target archers what they demand. Axis Camera Arms for a camera arm that offers a smooth, full range of motion without restriction, lightweight, easy to pack, the name speaks for itself the Axis Revolution. Conquest Sense for more than 15 years, Conquest Sense has been selling premium hunting sense to hunters around the country. Bojax Inc., the best designed archery dampening system. Simmons Optics, everything you need, nothing you don't. Ozonics, undetectable, undeniable. Dry shod waterproof footwear, the most wearable rubber boot. Veteran innovative products, VIP broadheads. The first and only scalpel sharp broadhead with dual spring variable cutting width suspension for superior penetration. Elevated safety systems. Rancho Rio Lindo in Uvalde, Texas. Piney Woods Hunting Lodge in Eufaula, Alabama. Alright, so here we are. This is the first one we've recorded in the morning. Yeah. Pretty sure it's one of the first ones we recorded in the daylight. No, we recorded Backcountry Hunters and Anglers in the daylight. Yeah. But we got out this morning. Today is September 19th, first day of early teal and wood duck in Florida. And uh, if you guys are listening, you tuned in to either of the live videos. Uh, Jordan went live from his boat in the separate location from where me and Briar were. And uh, I believe by now they've had some luck. Their, their video, they went live on Instagram. Me and Briar went live on Facebook for the second annual Teal Opener live video. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe that it's been a year. Yeah, it is. That was the first post we ever did to our Facebook page. Yeah, we were live in March last year. Emerelda. And today we are joined by Matt. That's one spot we don't mind naming because everybody yeah, has anyway. Everybody so. does know Emerald. <laughs> Emerald is one place that I haven't entered Emerald in four years and I don't plan on doing it anytime in the future. <laughs> I went in there once and I have no desire to go back. <laughs> yeah, it's, it gets bad. People set up on top of you. Um, a lot of people try to get in fights at boat ramps over stuff. And yeah, it's it ain't just, worth it. No, it's not worth it. Not at all. It's people go and sky blast when it comes over dikes, and you know people don't really know. They don't know common courtesy out there, really. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is, there's well, I think a lot of what happens out there is there's people that know better, and then there's people that do it anyways or don't know better, and then the other pe- the people that know better are like, well, it doesn't matter because. Slick over there is going to be doing it, so that is I might, very true. And, and then it kind of it compounds upon itself. Well, then the parking and stuff is over there; it's just horrendous. I had one of my trucks mm. go and slide down the ditch into Emerald Marsh one morning. That don't sound good. No, it was not good. I had to go and we had to bring out the crane and the tow truck and everything else, mm. and it it was a bad morning. Yeah, to say the least. Oh, that, that was actually about six years ago on the opener. Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, how you got into hunting? So I got so into cool. hunting. It was 
my father doesn't hunt my brother doesn't hunt nobody in my family really hunts um extremely you know uh extremely my family's a pro gun super and shoot and stuff like that and i was raised around a guy who's not with us anymore named uh dennis and uh actually the main opener i'll be shooting his uh over under that he passed down to me but uh one of my buddies named Corey, he ended up going and just said hey show up to this guy's house and you're going to be going and getting your hunter safety course and stuff and then you're going duck hunting with me and i we went out there and we went to lake okahumpka and we sat there didn't shoot a single bird and I was jumping off to every single coot that flew by, you know, thinking it was a duck, thinking it was a duck, and I just did my research and started getting into it, and now I like, you know, hog hunting, gator hunting, duck hunting, I just kind of fell into the lifestyle. So what's your poison? Duck hunting. Duck hunting. Duck hunting. That Duck hunting would be the biggest thing. Uh, that would put a strain on my marriage right there. <laughs> I, I just can't get away from it. It's a lot of fun, and I really didn't. Uh, I've duck. I, I think the first time actually I ever went duck hunting as well was with Corey. Corey, really? And Ethan. Yeah. Yeah, mine was uh, with uh, Corey and uh, Jesse. Yeah, Corey and Jesse took me out, and we didn't see nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And then uh, the first time that I got into gator hunting was with Ethan and Jesse. Yeah, they brought me out there. Yeah, the first time I went gator hunting was with Ethan and Corey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's just some bad uh, people, are they? I mean, I was, I was raised hunting whitetail deer, and that's all we ever hunted until we had hogs on the property. And then, But we never went out and actually hunted hogs. We're going to shoot them when they show up yeah. when you're whitetail deer hunting. But Well, I went from duck hunting to snipe hunting. Then when I was snipe hunting, I turned around, and I was, I was snipe hunting uh, WMA areas. And around i started seeing a bunch of hogs and i was just like well what's it take to shoot one of those oh, and did my research and looked into it and uh we started getting into hog hunting on wmas and running the rivers for them and you know some of the lakes and you know and, where the hogs are at let's get out and film a hog hunt yeah let's do it i actually have a hog property that one of my old foremans uh one of my shop foremans he has a hog property and uh it backs up to one of the WMAs and yeah. I go out there and uh, one of my buddies manages it for me as long as I can have access to walk out there and do it whenever I want. We give these guys two hogs a year and he lets us hunt the property and he pays the property taxes on it. Well, I got a 300 blackout with a suppressor that's just itching to eat. You know, I, the last time I was out there, because I used to shoot competition three gun and uh, last time I went out there, it was about Eight months ago, I dropped a sow with my Glock 34 <laughs> about 40 yards. I'd love to do that. Uh, I'd like to get one with my 1911. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to kill a hog with that 300 blackout. That's really what I built it for because uh, it's a short-barreled rifle, 10.5-inch barrel running that suppressor. Gives me a nice compact rifle to hunt with. Um I haven't ever really hunted with it. I've hunted, or I've shot a lot of target with it, and it's a fun little gun. It ain't cheap to shoot. Yeah, um, that's for sure. But it's worth it. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun. It, it was purpose-built and serving that purpose, you know, other than plinking makes it a lot cheaper. Yeah. So, 
that's what I did. I turned around for the hog, so I went and I built a 270 with a, you know, the vortex optic on it. Um, and you know, I built I built that probably about a year ago, and I still haven't even pulled the trigger on it. Really? Yeah, just haven't haven't had the need or the desire to. I bought it because I don't have any deer rifles. Because you know, yeah. I, I do I do small game, I do hogs, ducks, gators. I I but I noticed I didn't have any long rifles, so I went out there and just went and bought uh, it's a savage 270 it's very you know affordable and just went with that but i i still haven't even gotten it dialed in yet i just haven't had the need to yeah i wanted my own gun in case i got invited out to go well you ought white tail or something you ought to join us this year we're going to be running uh running a unit up north of here accessing it from the water uh we got a guy todd who messaged us and asked us for help uh learning how to scout for deer and getting on some white tailed deer and told us he drew this unit so we put in for it we drew it as well so we're gonna get out there good to have another boat yeah, yeah. we're, we're gonna, gonna have one boat the with water. people and one boat with yeah. uh gear yeah that'll, that'll be fine worst comes to worst you know i trust you guys you can haul my boat up there and you guys if i'm not able to go you guys are more than welcome to use mine but we're going to access it from the water and get back in there deep via little creeks and stuff like that instead of trying to park off the side of the road and walk in through the swamp. Yeah. The further we can get from the road, the better, you know. So it'll be interesting. But we got out this morning. We got here about 4.30. Yeah. And loaded up the boats, headed out, and got in the hole. Shooting light was at, what, 6.43? Yeah. Yeah, started the live video shortly before that and uh i had the first bird come in matt yeah. matt's fiance and briar can't shoot for jack shit <laughs> i will say this when my bird was flying at least yeah, and mine... I, I i i was uh the road was right there too so i kind of had to be a little <laughs> careful no mine it was it was uh it was a gorgeous Drake wood duck. It came hen. in. Uh, we had a hen. See, I can't. That's what it was. It was a hen. Yeah. Because the Drake, I'd have killed it. Yeah. <laughs> for some yeah. reason, <laughs> for some reason, all I've ever killed is Drake wood ducks. You know, I would rather shoot the Drakes over the hens just for reproduction purposes. I'm not. Uh, it all eats too the same. But yeah, it yeah. all eats the same. But I would rather have the well, population continue a little bit better. The, the way the way I look at it is, there's a limit for a reason. If they specified in the limit like for regular duck season it's three wood ducks if they specified only one of them could be a hen you know maybe it'd be a little different but yeah for wood ducks it's not that way they got that all figured out already so we're like fortunate said, enough here in the state of florida to be able to shoot wood ducks during teal season at least for the first weekend yeah and, well it's uh, still it's, it's until friday but we're only gonna be able to hunt the weekend right on hunt friday <laughs> you don't work on Friday. You better get back out there and at least well, run back I'm over going this to night shifts. So I'm going to be going in uh, either wood duck hunting where we were this morning, uh, Monday, Tuesday, or I'm going to be running to other locations to go find some teal. That's 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 the part that hurts me the most about early teal season is that it opens up just long enough to get you excited and then it closes down for two months yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. dang near two months just break your and then heart. you only have a week yeah. you have like a week well two weekends you get two weekends to hunt there for the first phase and then well this year 
But it, there's not very long in between. Yeah. There. But, uh, yeah, that's how I was fortunate enough on our, our wedding's going to be December 5th, and I planned it out just so it was that weekend between phase one and phase two. Let me, let me tell you something. The opening day of phase two is my birthday. Hey. <laughs> Let's go. I know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Best way to celebrate the big 3-0. That's right. Oh, man, you're going to be an old man now. I am an old man. Yeah. you yeah. getting there. <laughs> I've got, uh, what's today's date? The 19th. A little better than uh, 40 days in, left in my 20s. Yeah? Yeah. So. Well, I'm and I'm taking the day before my taking the day before my birthday off. Me and Briar are going fishing. That's about all we can do. But yeah. <laughs> we're going to go fishing, daggum, and I ain't going to work. But, so, I mean, we had a pretty decent spot this morning. I, I, I went out, well, me and Matt here scouted it last weekend, and we had a few birds come in, and I scouted it yesterday, and, I mean, I had a group of four, a group of three, you know, several groups come in, a couple of singles here and there, but it wasn't, yesterday was nothing like this morning. Yeah, I, I've been coming in there, and you know during the day because i've been scouting it for about the last two weeks and yeah i've been jumping about two dozen birds up there and watching them and uh the water out here has just been very sporadic it's gone up what nine uh, inches in a week and then it dropped bit. today about or between uh it finally dropped enough to where we could see bottom again yeah when we could start seeing the feed but just didn't well you know we've had that hurricane come through we've had a lot of rain over the past week they've opened up the the locks uh to let water through the canal out into the lake uh the canal we were coming in on was was super super high yeah like halfway up the no wake zone no wake zone sign um so it's been i mean but besides all that we had a pretty good morning I, i think we were set up a little too far forward in the hole have we been a little further back and given the given the birds maybe just a little more room to to uh to land in there yeah out where we wanted them to i think i think we could have done a little better i mean birds still landed in the hole that i had scouted oh yeah. they landed in the decoys okay well we i say in the decoys they had three different spots to land and land in the decoys but yeah we got them in on the decoys on the water so well in the way I set up my spread is where places, all places I seen birds sitting yesterday, and that's why I wanted decoys right there. But you know that's hunting, especially you know the migratory bird. They do what they want, you know. Matt, we weren't in your boat. Tell us how things went for y'all this morning. You weren't um, too far from us, but no, I wasn't too far from you guys. We set up. I I should have done more. I went and rushed this blind yesterday to get it fitted on the new boat, and it worked pretty well, but how I was set up, I was a little exposed in the back end more than I'd like to be. Um, so we went ahead and did that, and then early light, about 15 minutes after shooting light, we had Drake Woody come in, and it landed halfway between us and the decoys. It was probably about 30 feet out. and. I was trying to do my due diligence. The fiance still hasn't shot in a wood duck yet. I put her on redheads, pintails, godwall, you know, all these big old birds. And uh, I kind of lost, you know, shooting wood ducks and stuff. You know, I was chasing after other species, but she wanted it, so we did it. And it came in and it dropped, you know, 20, 30 feet in front of us. Picture perfect. And then uh, 
I gotta go and redo the chair setup. She didn't really have good stance, and I turned around and whispered over, and I'm like, take it, take it, take it. And as soon as she tried to go and stand up, it lifted again, and the shots were put off, and it just didn't happen. And then after that, you got the dog whimpering in the boat, you know, really wanting to get in the water, <laughs> trying to get it, because, but we disappointed, uh, and I, I was shaking, I was real upset, you know, my hands, I couldn't control myself, I was, I told myself that was going to be the only bird that's coming in this morning. It was, it was picked. Well, why'd you say that? Why'd yeah, you say that? Because it, I was just so upset. And that's the one that had the band on it that you were talking about. Yeah, that was the, yeah, exactly. We were talking about that. The one bird that was going to be banded was going to be Sarah's first wood duck. And, uh, if that bird had some jewelry on it, I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. I heard, I heard them shotguns quote unquote go off. And by that, I mean empty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, it took off and it started going away. And I picked up my gun and I took I, shots at it too. And I, I, I was disappointed in myself. I I didn't quite hear three shots from you, but I know I heard three shots from there. Yeah. <laughs> there was quite a bit of shooting going on over there. No, there that wood duck. If anything else, he's got PTSD. Yeah, yeah that is for sure. He knows better than that. Though. Flying like a bomber flying over Germany in World War II. Oh, let me tell you, everywhere. I am glad we didn't kill a lot of ducks out of there this morning for one reason, and it's because we didn't shoot that spot out. Yes, that is true. That's one of those spots that it, it has potential to be really good. We're going to have to be careful not to yeah. not to run it ragged. Because, I mean, it's yeah, super Matt. close to your house. house. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, you can run over there where Jordan was at, too. I don't know how much scouting you've done over there he was at, but we sat over there last year, and if all else fails, you can go over there and have a beat down on the crows. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've i been out there and stuff at the location and stuff. I I like try to be respectable about the residentials and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's a little bit too close for my personal liking. Um, so I don't want to step on anybody's toes. You know make people mad i i want you know i don't want somebody to go out there their first time and just be like all right well this is a good spot and somebody get ugly with them and kind of try to you know and then back out of hunting you know as far as ducks because right. hunting ducks is it's a very fine line that you dance on and you try to follow the rules well you have to follow the rules period i mean me and briar turned around and we went to go set yeah. up our blinds and on thursday and we, we cut started. two limbs. Yeah. Two limbs. He cut the first one out of the tree, and then the second one fell. And I was like, oh, no. This doesn't look like a good idea anymore. <laughs> I'll let you finish it up. Yeah, it was – we dropped it, or dropped them limbs, and Briar turned around and said, Matt, well, we got a problem. And I said, what's that? And I walked on over there, and it was just slap full of acorns. I mean, it's not intent to bait. But that comes up to officer's discretion, and that's just a chance that you don't want to take. Um, never put yourself into that kind of situation because, you know, something innocent that could be right now could cost you next season. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, when, you, when you're talking about migratory game, like migratory birds, you're not just talking uh, breaking a state law. No, it's a federal offense. Yeah, you're talking breaking federal law. Yeah. And we briefly touched on the Migratory Bird Treaty. Uh, and really, we need to revisit that and, and find a good 
expert, maybe a lawman on that, and, and, yeah. and dig deep into the Migratory Bird Act uh, and get talking about that in the Lacey Act and and all that. I think good the, stuff that the goes Lacey into Act it. covers more guides than just us coming out hunting. Yeah, um, the Lacey Act has a lot to do with paying for stuff and keep. Well, I think like I said I'm no expert on it, but the Lacey Act kind of came about for like they were killing like the fur trade and they were killing ducks and egrets and stuff for feathers and that sort of stuff and the lace says the lace act kind of make made it illegal to buy wild animal parts basically right well that's when the punt guns came up you know i'd love to have an old punt gun sitting on my mantle at the mm-hmm. house you know that that's been one thing that i found different mausers and you know stuff that i looked at but i would love to have a punk gun as decoration yeah i'd love to shoot one yeah whew, i'd love to shoot one i don't think my shoulder would <laughs> well, you don't put them against your shoulder no you mount them to the boat but let's be let's be honest they weren't really guns as much as they were they were muskets well cannons with a stock on them yeah, yeah. <laughs> because a lot of those you're talking you know one inch guns that, or or bigger and they're muzzle loaders uh, you're not putting a shell in them, but they're huge, and that that was a big thing. It was a grape shot cannon. Yeah, <laughs> pretty but much. It was that was a thing during the market hunting era, and those guys would mount them to the front of a P row or the front of a small boat, and and get up on a bunch of birds on the water, and just cut loose and kill thirty or forty birds with one shot. Yeah, um, and I really think that's where the whole you get the unethical where people seem to think it's unethical to water spot birds. Um, in my opinion, if you have done a good enough job of camouflaging yourself and setting up your decoy spread, scouting the area, scouting the area, finding the exact X that a bird comes in and land in, lands in your decoys. For mallards or calling yeah. and all that, you know, all that comes in. And when they land in, you've done your job as a hunter. You stand, on, and, and I, I say too, if you want to really break it down to ethics, you stand a less of a chance of wounding a duck sitting on the water than you do flying. I think the only people that really, you know, if you look at the big picture about that entire thing, it is, I agree with both of you about, you know, it's more ethical to water swat a bird that's dropped into your decoys. I'm not talking about one that's, you know, 40 feet off, 50 foot off to the left that's swimming in. I'm talking about one that drops in decoys It's more ethical. I think that the more people that get upset about water swatting a bird is other hunters because they're a little upset that it came into your spread and then they go and use the excuse that it isn't sportsmanlike. But you did all your work, you put in your time, um, you did everything that you could do to get that bird to want there. And then at the end of the day, if it's flying over your spread or it's swimming in your spread, you put that bird there. Mm-hmm. Ethics is by far a deep matter of opinion in a lot of cases. And an unwritten rule in others. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's things that are written in the rule book that are unethical. 
uh, the thing that specifically comes to mind is uh, wanton waste. Yeah. Uh, and sadly, we see that, and that that's one of those things that drives me crazy. I mean, we go out, and you'll see guys shooting specifically waterfowl. We'll say coots, moorhens, and they want to just leave that stuff out there. Well, my opinion is if you're going to shoot it, you're going to eat it. You're going to eat it. And let me tell you. Do something with it. I mean. I hate to share this secret. Because it seems to be people have an odd opinion about this. But more hens are delicious. No, let delicious. me say this. Now, could I cook them that good that we had them there? I, maybe. It, look. <laughs> okay. So, now, I'm sure I could learn it and figure it, figure it out. But. The R3 guy for Florida Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, Mr. Adam Steele, is an amazing chef. He has been on the podcast before. Um, and he took some of those and braised them, smoked them, and then pulled them and made them into lettuce wraps. I just oh did that with goodness. venison on Tuesday night. You could take that. To, and on top the of that, legs. he made his own. Yeah homemade hot sauce. hot sauce that was aged for what seven years oh it was a long time seven years and you take that joker put it on top of your head and your tongue will beat your brains out trying to get to it huh more hen it was good you would never think the way them jokers smell when you're cleaning them that they would taste that they that could good. taste that good oh well, my it's goodness just like a um a hoodamaganser they smell horrible and uh, I ended up going and I grind them up. I grind them up. And after I grind them up, I'll go and put some more sire in there, some Tony's, and a little bit of taco seasoning. And I'll end up going making ground duck out of it for tacos. Ground duck. Ground That's... duck for tacos. It is great. Well, um, when me and Will first got into it, we shot him a ganser. And what we did is we took the breast and cut it in little strips, mm-hmm. and then uh, made jalapeno poppers. And that wasn't too bad. You know how they say they get that fishy taste? Yeah. I got a hint of it here and there, but mostly it was. Yeah. It tasted pretty good. I mean, I was like, I was I was shocked because I'm like, I had my cousin that uh, waterfowl hunted more than more than I did growing up, and they were always like, those are nasty. And my uncle had a dog that hated picking up organzers. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, the dog, dog was pick up anything, but the dog wouldn't even hardly pick them up. Oh, man. I had, uh, when I go out and I do my camping trips, my favorite thing is I'll go and bring a little portable smoker with me. Yeah. And I'm going to need a link to that. Okay. And, uh. Portable. Wait, do you have the yeah. little, like, uh. Like the little tailgater pit boss or something? Yes, it's a little pit boss, but it's it's a charcoal fed and a wood fed. You know, it's charcoal and wood. It's an actual smoker. Like, I love my pellet feed, you know, pit boss. Yeah. Because uh, I, I can one. go and throw a brisket or something, well. and I can leave for work, and I can come home, and it's done. You don't, the only thing I got to worry about is a power outage. Yeah. But it's not real smoking at the end of the day. So... But. Don't, I got don't, I got my little don't look at me pit like boss uh, basically tailgater smoker and we'll go out there and when we're at camp you know we'll fire it up and 
we'll take the ducks that we got and we'll do slices of jalapeno and bacon and onions and we'll wrap it up and then we baste it with uh, brown sugar and butter as we're smoking them. And that, that's one of my favorite ways to do it. Yeah. i tell you what we did last year that was pretty good. Uh, the merganzers? Well, I wasn't even going to talk about the merganzers. I, I already said about that. That's why I was My, my, uh, so I'll preface this with the fact my wife makes hair bows for little girls and has a fairly productive home business doing that it's actually very productive but um we were at a craft festival and the tent next to hers was selling homemade pickles and he had jalapeno pickles so good are you talking about that guy that sells them in the little plastic containers? Yes. With, yeah. uh, with yes. the little peel tops? Yes. Oh, man, those things are great. And he has like 28 different flavors. Yeah. Yeah, they're awesome. The jalapeno pickles are delicious. They are. So I took those jalapeno pickles, we took a wood duck, and stuffed it full of jalapeno pickles, wrapped it in bacon, and cooked it in a smoker. Huh. That was dang good. Now, when you do oh, yeah. your ducks, do you cook and do the legs and everything as well? or So, when we're smoking them, we're smoking a whole duck. Okay. They skin off. Skin yeah, off. Yeah, skin off. Yeah. You don't just defeather. You skin uh, off. I'll, I'll, this year, I want to try and pl- pluck a few. I'm going to get in. I'm, I'm going to start doing some research on what it takes to get them with the paraffin wax. We're going to pluck some whistlers. and uh, That's the best eating bird there is, oh, in my man. opinion. Yeah. I love them. And I love the fact that... There's not a lot of birds that really come to Florida that that are very that are super responsive to calling. You can call a wood duck, but you're never. I'm. You're hard to convince me that you can convince a wood duck that you're on the X. Yeah. If you're not on the X, you can call a wood duck from the uh, from a hundred yards from the X. You know, if you're close to it, you can call them over to you. But you're not going to get a flying pair and bring them down to you where they don't want to be. Yeah. But the 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 black belly whistling duck, you can turn a whole group of them around. Absolutely. Uh, the only thing that's, that I find difficult about the black belly whistling duck is, when have you ever seen one swim? I haven't. Exactly. Exactly. They're always in ankle deep water or standing in somebody's yard. Yeah. How many do we see standing in yards today? Oh, did oh, I bet there were dozens? <laughs> yeah, thirty or forty of them in one yard. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I'm walking the bird dog, when I'm walking old Sadie down, she goes and runs out and chases them in the neighborhood all the time. She has a ball. <laughs> but I I love black belly whistling ducks. I love the fact that you can drop two and the whole group will turn back to find yeah. Fred and Terry. Yeah, and you can just keep dropping the rest of them. I was down in South Florida, um, two years ago. And we went out there, and for four days, we shot six-man limits in 30 minutes every single day. And the key on that hunt that we figured out on day two was shooting them black belly whistlers was shoot the lead bird. Because when that lead bird comes down, all the rest are going to circle back around and follow, thinking that he found something. But no... No, he's he's gone. <laughs> yeah, and we had a, a a black belly whistling duck hole that was within. It's got to be within six or seven hundred yards where we stand right now. 
Yeah. Yeah. And he knows where it is. The first uh, year, I, I know where it, was, it was extremely productive. I mean, we'd go in there, and you would shoot so much, so fast, your shotgun barrel would get so hot you couldn't touch it. It was like you are hunting out there in Argentina or something. Yeah, <laughs> shooting doves in Argentina. <laughs> but it was all, all in a course of about 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. When they would take up, take up off where they were sitting on the ground. You weren't sitting in a feeding hole. You were sitting in a flyby zone. Well, we weren't, but a hundred yards from their spot where they were feeding. Okay. Uh, but we couldn't. Well, we we're about two hundred yards from there. But we couldn't shoot there because that was somebody's yard. They're under there feeding on those uh, cypress nuts. Yeah. Under Sounds like you needed to go tree. over there and knock on the door and make a friend. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't necessarily need to make a friend. I just need him to start coming back to his yard. Yeah. I found everybody else's yard around here. Okay. Yeah, and you yeah. noticed today when we saw the ones under the yard, they're under up underneath that cypress tree. Again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, when I came and I bought this house, I knew that this was the house. First off, fiance told me that this was the house. <laughs> First off, <laughs> and, uh, how you knew? <laughs> I I went and uh, I came to look at this house, and she was at work, and I walked out here, and there was about two dozen whistlers sitting in my backyard eating the acorns. <laughs> That's the house. Yeah, and then That's I turned the around house. and I said, "Ooh, well, this is it," and you know. I notice there's no screen in your back windows. Is that for a reason? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I've always done it. Um, I do it year after year once duck season is over. Because duck season seems to be more productive after season than it is during season. See, that's why I'm happy that, we're, that me and him are veterans. Yeah. Because I'm going on the veterans hunt. Okay. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we're going to get that up. Yeah, but I, I'll go out the weekend after closing and i'll throw out decoys veterans hunt i will yeah i'll throw out <laughs> decoys i'll throw out my blind i'll i'll palm frawn up i'll get cane i'll i'll build my entire blind just sit there for three or four hours and just call them in and i practice my calling and seeing how they work just to better myself as far as my education on these birds and i love watching them as much if not more than shooting them yeah we've actually gone and had uh bird watchers pay me to go and say hey we want to watch these ducks and take pictures and it'll be the weekend after hunting season and we'll drop into one of my holes that i know that they're going to be and we'll blind up and i'll just sit there and they'll take pictures of them and you know they'll they'll mount me the pictures and it it's a great time sounds like it and i i'm looking forward to this duck season that a couple years ago, I, I really started to get into duck hunting. I duck hunted a few times, and uh, and then, but I'd never killed a bird. And then a couple years ago, I killed my first first duck. And what uh, was it? It was a, a Drakewood duck. Drakewood duck, still in the freezer. Yeah, <laughs> needs to go to the taxidermist. All right, now I don't know if the listeners know about this, but when you shoot a duck and you want to take it to the taxidermy. Before you freeze it, you need to go and take a wet paper towel. There, you know, take a paper towel, wet it, and then you need to wrap its feet. And then go ahead and put it in the freezer so it keeps and it holds some moisture. Because if you just freeze it in your bag, then it's going to end up going again. Freeze a burn on the feet, and your taxidermist is most likely going to charge you more to try to rehydrate those feet to get it back to where it needs to be for your Hmm. mouth. I didn't know that, but I'm willing to pay the extra. <laughs> what I look forward to this year the most is uh, 
when we can really find a spot that we can get duck, wood ducks on the water, I'm going to take my son out, who's four years old. It's going to be a blast. And we're going to get him in there. We'll take his fishing pole. We'll let him fish. The spot we're at this morning was perfect. The bass were blowing up all over the place. Hey, we had a bluegill jump into Briar's boat. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you watched the live. Oh, no, no, we didn't. We talked that about didn't get on a live video, video but, but we... I'll post that picture up. Yeah. Yeah. So, but get him out there, and if he can water whack a moorhen, he can water whack a wood duck. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you a funny story about that. I asked him, I said, well, I said, if you you want to go duck hunting with us this year, I said, if you kill you a duck, you want to get it mounted. And this is after me getting him plucking boar hens after we killed him. He's out there helping us clean them, so he's plucking feathers out of boar hens. It's the only way to do it. And he says, uh, do I have to pull all the feathers out of it? <laughs> and I said, do what? He said, yeah, if I'm going to get it mounted, do I have to pull all the feathers out? <laughs> and I said, no. I said, we're just going to freeze it. He says, well, how are we going to eat it? I said, we're not. I said, we're going to have to kill some more ducks we can eat, and we'll just save yours to have it mounted. And he said, like Uncle Jordan's? And I said, yeah, just like Uncle Jordan's duck. He said, yeah, I want to get that. I put it up and put. he wants to put it in his room. And that little boy. You've been waiting how long to hear that? Oh, oh yeah. Man. Let me tell you. And let me tell you what else was funny. We were coming into the neighborhood, and there's a retention pond right there in front of the neighborhood. And there was about six black belly whistling ducks sitting out there. And I said, Ryan, look, there's whistlers over there. He said, shoot them. <laughs> that, that upsets me more than anything is going and driving down the turnpike or 417 or, you know, I-4 and seeing all these retention ponds on the side of the road. Oh, and when yeah. you're wrapping around on the exit and you know it's middle of season you're seeing ringers and bluebills and whistlers and huh. you know you're seeing all these ducks in there and, full of ducks yeah and it's are you kidding me and then it really boils down to food mm-hmm. i the was food sourcing them is so abundant it's it's great there's so much going on but i was driving so out spray to, work i was driving out to lake nona the VA clinic out in Lake Nona. That's where I was working uh, this week, and I was seeing them coming And off. you know that big retention pond right on the side road behind that neighborhood? Yeah. Dude, last weekend of duck season, the, the week the week before, I was driving out there for, I can't remember what, for. Uh, but that joker probably had at least 70 to somewhere between 70 and 100 ring necks on it. Jeez. Just loaded, slap full of ringnecks. Yeah. Mm. Break my heart. Yeah. Well, it was uh, Thursday. I actually was on the phone with you, Yeah. I believe, and I was getting off 441 onto the 417, headed out there to, uh, you know, the VA hospital, and there was a pair of bluebills sitting there. And it's September. Yeah. I mean, the only duck outside of whistlers and woodies that i've seen yet down here but he, they were just sitting there i was like are you guys kidding me <laughs> it's uh I, ho- I hope this year shapes up to be a good year we get a good cold winter and we can actually get some ducks moving down here there's not a lot of ducks that you can't kill in the state of florida you won't see numbers like you see in the mississippi or the central flyway uh but you can get out on the if, if you get out on the coast and you hunt the marshes, that's where you're going to get your better variety. 
when you're in here where we're at now more towards the central central part of the state right down the middle of the state we've got a lot of black belly whistling ducks we've got ringnecks wood ducks that pretty much sums it up mm -hmm. yeah i i've shot in quite a bit of redheads pintails and godwall off of uh the west coast yeah. we run about a mile and a half offshore about the scalping grounds yeah then we drop in kayaks and we'll drop in two kayaks with decoys and a lot of people lay out in them and they'll have their 45 minutes and birds come in and they'll shoot them and then we'll go and bring the bay boat back around we'll pick those people up drop them off in the kayaks again more people and then each person gets their turn we've we've done very productive doing that so how far off do you sit in that in that bay boat when you're doing that um we don't we don't hunt out of the bay boat well it's i know you're not hunting the out of the bay boat but how far are you getting away from the guys on the kayaks um how far are we running the bay boat away from the kayaks yeah. we're running about a mile away Whew. just because we work back up into the marshes and we sit there and while they're hunting we're scouting for the mud boats right that's what we're doing so we'll work back up into these little creeks and we'll do it i mean we got uh we got a 24 foot pro drive with uh dual pro drives on the back dual 40 pro drive center console and we'll just work back up in there and just check everything out more than anything you know just hang out that's that's really what hunting is at the end of the day is you know spending some good time with friends and oh absolutely you know, i mean you watched that live video this morning that whole time just me and briar having conversation and that's what i really enjoy about duck hunting versus deer hunting uh, deer hunting is really a solo sport, man. Where deer hunting, you you get that back at camp. Yeah, you get the camaraderie at camp, but you uh, can't share the experience with another person. Right. It, duck hunting is you get the, you get that duck hunting. We did our we 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 tried the couple years we hunted that place in Georgia because we had dog clubs all around us so we'd hit days where we was just tired of sitting in the stand listening to dogs run so we would all load up in a pickup truck and we're listening on our radios and what we're doing is we're listening to where the dogs are running listening on the guys running dogs and we're going to move to our property line where they're running towards yeah and we would just move back forth back forth back forth trying to catch a deer crossing the property line weren't successful doing that either <laughs> but i swear you know that one night we was out on the 200 out there there was a force field yeah. because we had a clear cut and they had short pines and those dogs were coming hard and when that deer hit the edge of those short pines it hung a hard left yep never yep. cross that clear cut huh. yeah, that's happened more than once we'd sit there we'd listen to the radio and we're like oh man the dog was coming we'd run to the stand and a couple different spots and then all of a sudden the it's, you could hear them coming hear them coming and then the deer would just go, they would get right to the property line and go somewhere else but you know, I look forward to getting a lot more duck hunting this year. I, I, the first year I put in for a lot of different spots to duck hunt in, in Florida and Georgia. Um, getting in some more duck hunting, killing more ducks than I've ever killed before. I only killed two wood ducks last year. Of course, I didn't duck hunt a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't hunt a whole lot, period, last year. Well, I plan on doing one, a cut. well, I say one, a couple of the uh, walking hunts this year it's all permitted uh first base i didn't put in any permits i put in for you know a couple permits out on the east coast this year but 
over it's on the east coast down south there's some walk-in hunts where you just show up and it's all lottery draw and you go ahead and you give them your number you can't have a group bigger than four and then they turn around and if they draw your number and you walk in and it's kind of like when we go small game hunting when you drive in there and then you drive and you can go hunt all these different areas they call your number and then you take your truck in and you run it back in there and then once you run it back in there you walk in your hunt no boats are allowed no nothing so it's a huge access point to people who don't have access to the boats that we do and they these guys running outboards i mean we could have easily ran an outboard this morning where we were at oh yeah but there's no need for what we had oh absolutely but the mud boats are nice because they get you where you want to go pretty much wherever you want to go uh yeah. but i've run my outboard in places i probably shouldn't have run it yeah i ran my outboard in emerald area four five years ago I had a 14-foot uh, IPV with a 25-horse Evinrude on it, two-stroke. And I ran it through Area 4. And I ran it all the way back. And there, there were, I had no business being back there, but somehow I got it back there. I'm lucky that I didn't blow it up. Well, <laughs> I run my outboard like I can just pick my boat up if it gets stuck because I can just pick my boat up if it gets stuck. Because <laughs> it ain't but yeah. a 12-foot John boat with a 9.9 yeah. Yamaha on the back. Hey, as long as you can suck up water, you're good. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how these mud boats and stuff have gone so expensive lately and stuff. Because at the oh, end yeah. of the day, all they are, engine. it's a lawnmower engine on a glorified John boat. Yep. It's yeah. all that they are. But, you know, well, it's it's uh, supply and demand. Yeah. They're, exactly they're, they're in decent demand. Yes, they are. And there's there's a lot of whole technologies out there because i have never seen a john boat turn like jordan's mud boat does yeah. ain't no way i could turn my john boat like our that boat turns pretty good and yeah my boat turns a lot better than my old one i was running a 16 foot tracker with a uh 40 kohler i was back in the stages where you know you wanted to go fast over reliability yeah and uh that boat you could swing it and then hook it and uh you could drive that boat sideways yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back to you. All right. So we, we're we back and we end, as always, every episode with the Under Pressure Outdoors tip of the week. So, Matt, what do you got? What I got personally for myself is... You might go out crow hunting, you go turkey hunting, you'll go skeet shoot and stuff like that. Before you go and you hit the water, and it's really not about yourself, it's about the friend that you take with you. Make sure that they only have or can hold three shells in the gun. Because I've been in the boat before with a couple guys, I turn around and say, hey, let me see your gun real quick. And that third shell slides into that slot. Next thing you know, you're cutting cattails to go and try to make them a plug just so you don't get into trouble. Um, so I'll say I'll say this. You need to make sure with those homemade plugs too that you literally cannot force a third shell 
three inch, three and a half, two and three quarter with a standard plug, even in a three and a half inch gun, should fit two three and a halves, two three inches, and two two and three quarters. Correct. So you need to make sure that you can't fit absolutely if you're, if you're shooting, especially with a three and a half inch gun, shooting three and a half inch shells, that yeah. you can't cram you three. You shouldn't be doing it in the first in place there. unless you're shooting geese, anyways. Well, I mean, we're in a hard time right now. I mean, I searched for three days trying to find three inch shells. For my gun, and I have a three and a half inch gun, and the whole reason I bought a three and a half inch gun was for a time like this, where when I couldn't find that steel in three inch, I could several places I found three and a half inch steel. I didn't want it, but I kept that in the back of my mind until I was able to find three inch and call it good. But you got to make sure that that plug is not just stopping two three and a half is two three and a halfs. It's stopping two three inches. And it's stopping two, two and three quarters. Because I can guarantee you, when Mr. Green Jeans pulls up, he's not going to use a three and a half inch shell. No, he's going to use two and three quarters. He's going to use two and three quarters. So you need to make sure it's going to stop two and three quarters at two and three quarters and still hold your two, three and a half because that's what you're shooting. Correct. Now, I have in the past in the three inch gun used a ballpoint pen. And that worked perfect. Yeah, I use. Mm. uh, hard dried out cattails i have used uh just various things sitting in the boat um i use i even used the innards of a sharpie one time in a mossberg 500 yeah <laughs> i mean it, it was an absolute mess but it worked whatever I, keeps you from getting that ticket exactly yeah. but number one thing about not getting that ticket is correctly check your gear before you go out right yeah and a, and a plug for a Remington 870 is it's not going to fit a Mossberg well, 500. Well, it doesn't, but I'm, the price-wise, are 15 bucks. Yeah, absolutely. So if you've done your checking beforehand, you should have time to go ahead and order that plug and have a, a factory plug that's going to make sure if you're holding, you can hold three inch and two and three quarter, that that plug's going to stop both of those at two shells. Yeah. I mean, Amazon does an amazing job. I mean, they'll get it to you within 24 hours. Yeah. Even when they say they won't, it still shows up. Yep. Briar, what do you got? Well, mine is, is boat maintenance. I ended up yesterday changing about two switches on the boat and all that. And I really sh- I should have had that done before. But I really thought I thought it was I thought the problem was another issue and I figured it's some a quick fix and it ended up not being that way, but you know, keep your stuff maintained well and it won't it won't fail you when you need it to work. You know, I I completely agree with that. I had I had the XL sitting off of the seawall when I was scouting all week. And it was Tuesday. I had the boat sitting off of the seawall and the uh the rain came through and it came through real bad when I was at work and I walked out back and I see my boat and I seen the front pedestal seat but I didn't see my motor. I was like, oh, somebody stole my motor. Well, I jumped into my boat, and I went up to almost my knees in the hole of water because my automatic bilge pump quit working, and it went and got so much water in it that it started backflowing through the bilge. And it was within about 45 minutes of sinking my boat in the bottom of the canal. (laughs) Well... You know, sometimes stuff happens, and yeah. I mean, stuff wears out, whatever. I mean, you can't, but you need to get get on that stuff 
So when you do need it, it, it works properly. I'll say this too. I got I mean, two. I got two tips of the know. week, and one tip of the week comes from about two hours ago. Make sure when your boat is tied up <laughs> that it's actually tied up, because <laughs> we walked outside to record this podcast, and I said, "Wait a minute, aren't we missing a boat?" Sure enough. Briar's boat done floated down the canal. Yeah. And we had to go fetch it before we could record. But it's tied up now. Let me look. (laughs) (laughs) But number two, uh, burning the shoreline is not scouting for ducks. No. Especially early in the season right now, teal. Teal are going to be here one day, gone the next. And if you're blowing them off the X, they're not going to come back. They're finicky. So you're going to get out there. You need to sit a couple hundred yards off the X and watch with a pair of binoculars. You're not hunting. so And they're used to seeing dudes fishing. So sit out there, bring a fishing rod, fish off the X, and watch with a pair of binoculars. I mean, how far? I mean, you were off... Friday. Um, I was a little closer than I'd like to be, but I'm, I, I was still about 150 I was, yards. I was I was far enough away that I wasn't I wasn't bumping ducks off of where we were. But you were there well before. I was I, I was there in plenty of time. I, I, I when I scout, I scout. I show up even that I, even though I'm off the X, I show up like I'm going to hunt that area. Yeah, because I was headed to work and I seen your truck at the boat ramp at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I was gonna, I was there ready to like almost like I was gonna hunt. And, then and I, I seen I was there, you know, I had maybe a half hour or something before shooting light per se. And then, but I mean that way you're there early, you're not scaring them coming in. And when I found a hole that I could get out without bumping birds, that's when I left. Yeah, you waited till the birds quit work, and you I, see I waited, an opportunity I to get them, out. I, I sat there and watched them on the water, and when they disappeared, uh, that's when I said, "Okay, this is this is my chance to leave without scaring these birds off of this hole." Right. Because I was a little closer than I liked. That's, I, so I had to wait like that. I mean, luckily I didn't have anywhere to be or nothing like so. I could wait that time. If it took me to all day, I could have waited there, you know. So, this has been another episode of Under Pressure Outdoors podcast. Make sure you guys get on iTunes or the the Apple Podcast or wherever you're you're listening to our podcast and leave us a review uh, and let us know what you think uh, because those reviews are going to push us further up in that search bar. And uh, we'll get more people listening. We're here to get our voices heard and spread the good word. So until next week, y'all have a good one. Get after those ducks if you're, it's early teal season. So we'll talk to you. <laughs>